Hey everybody, welcome to uh, episode two of The Illustrious Gentleman with Scott Godleski and Ryan Cody. Um, tonight's episode, we talk about uh, booze, honey whiskey, Rob Liefeld, uh, Valiant Comics, and uh, a lot about uh, Hellboy. So um, enjoy the show. Thanks. So, how are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm good. I'm much better than uh, than I have been on a previous episode. Yeah. Much improved. Why don't you uh, oh. Why don't you remind Why don't you remind everybody why you were so upset yesterday or two days <sighs> oh, ago? Oh, Monday. No, yeah, it was Monday. Two days ago. Yeah. Um, not uh, not exaggeration or hyperbole. The last two days have been the worst days of my life. Okay. Yeah. So on Monday, I dropped my brand new uh, Cintiq 13 HD, uh, bent the power cable, and the thing has not worked since. Uh, so I have had to work with ink on paper like a caveman for the last two days. Oh, you've had to slum it's it. It's been just awful. Awful. Yeah, slumming. But today you got a little better. You got some good news on your power cable and everything. Yeah, our buddy Mitch Gerard lent me his Cintiq 13 HD, and I brought it home and had the genius idea to try his power cable on my tablet, and it worked. So instead of uh, what's probably going to be a uh, couple to several hundred dollar repair, uh, ends up being a $35 fix. So I am over the moon. Well, excellent. Mitch is a good guy. We'll have him. We'll have to have him on at some point. I think. Just break. Yep. All right. So, uh, what are you? What'd you work on once you got the Cintiq back up and running? Ah, uh, today we got dark and bloody pages. Excellent. Just like yesterday, the day before, and tomorrow. So, did you compare yesterday's hand inked page to today's digital page? I did. Well, no, I didn't. But in my brain, I did. And yesterday's was total garbage, and today's was beautiful. Yeah, but uh, yesterday's page will be the one that you can sell from this issue. No. No, it won't. <laughs> I did. Both of the pages that I did in the last couple of days were done in pieces. Oh, okay. So I, I find it, when you're working traditionally, in quotes, I'm starting to hate that. I find drawing the backgrounds and the figures separately and then stitching that together in Photoshop to be less stressful than doing it all at once. Okay. Well, I think there's some other guys who work that way, so it's uh, um, I don't think it's too, uh, too far-fetched. Uh, but that's good. I mean, I spent my day just uh, inking, uh, finishing up, uh, inking a page for this... Uh, Job I'm sort of subcontracted to do, and then I did a uh, a page of a a comic that I'm pitching with an author. Um, so that was fun. That's something that I co-plotted, and I get to sort of lay out the pages myself. I don't have a strict script to follow, so that's a lot of fun. And, uh, and it looked great. I, I saw the page. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's co-plotting too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, we're doing it Marvel style. So I basically I wrote I basically right. wrote a script. And then took dialogue straight from the novel, and then I sent it to him, and he kind of polished the dialogue. But you know, all the panel descriptions, all that stuff is my own. And then um, when we move forward, we're going to do an eight-page or a nine-page story for uh, his website for the release of the second book in paperback. And moving forward into that, we're going to work Marvel style. So he just sent me basically. Well, that's the way to play. Yeah, he basically just sent me a plot, and then he he asked me. He said, "Hey, is this too much?" stuff you know to fit into a page and some of those pages are going to be like seven or eight panels but i mean i can make them work and it's going to be a lot of fun i think to to work that way and have the uh, the freedom and the time to really uh do my best on those pages i'm excited about it you should be that's the way comics should be done that's that's great right yeah i'm uh i'm i'm, I'm trying to 
trying to get it back to where I can have a little more freedom or at least feel like I have more freedom. Any script I get, I know that I can make changes to it. Um, layout wise, uh, I just don't always take, uh, you know, I don't always take the lead on that. I usually just draw straight from the script. So this will be a fun sort of experiment and a nice, uh, relaxing month of drawing some, hopefully some good comics. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I found in going from the Marvel style to the full script is that it, it shouldn't, and it doesn't have to be that way, but, um, yeah, I, I think when you get a full script and you get panel breakdowns and you get a number of panels, you feel like you're you're locked into this uh, uh, like a, a this boring idea of what the page is supposed to be versus what it can be. Now you can think about it for another minute after that and make it into something that it can be, rather than your limited vision initially of what you think it's going to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And it also, it also depends on how comfortable I think you feel with the writer. Um, you know, like if I'm, you know, I work on a lot of short gigs that are, might only be like less than 10 pages or so. And I don't necessarily ever work with those writers again. And a lot of those guys are paying me, a publisher is not paying me, the, the writer is paying me. So in those instances, I just feel like, I want to deliver what they had in mind when they wrote the script. Um, it's not as collaborative as if I was being paid by a third party and me and the writer were a team um, sure. that way. So on a project like this, I actually approached the author. We have a mutual friend. I enjoyed his book. I approached the author, the idea of pitching it in comics. He was all for it. And then he said like, Hey, why don't I just pay you to do a nine page story for my website? Um, and then I said, that's great. Why don't we work Marvel style? And uh, he was right on board with that. So I'm really excited. All right. That's fantastic. So uh, what are you um, what are you drinking tonight, Scott? What's 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 in your glass? Uh, I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm busting my gin cherry tonight and <laughs> I made myself a, a, a Tom Collins. So this is my first go around with gin. What's in a? I've I've only ever had gin and tonic. I don't drink a lot of cocktails. Uh, it's equal parts lemon juice, simple syrup. Uh, it's two ounces of gin and then a club soda. Sounds a little sour. Did you put a cherry in it? It's ice. Uh, no, I put a well. I muddled a uh, an orange slice and a couple of raspberries. Oh wow! And it, yeah, it's it's okay. It's uh, not too different than a whiskey sour. Right, except it's got the juniper flavor, that little, almost like a black licorice flavor that comes with the gin. It's florally, yeah. Yeah, that's the, I don't, I'm not drinking the gin I have in the freezer, but that stuff, super floral. Maybe I'll save that for when we do a, a show in person and we can both uh, share it. But, um, so I'm drinking, um, the other day I bought some Maui Brewing Company Doppel shot, uh, which is their double Bach. It's pretty good. I mean, I think the can I got is a little old, so the beer tastes a little stale, but I think I would really enjoy it fresh or in a in draft. It's got some coffee brewed into it, but it's not a dark beer. And it's uh it's strong, which is how I like my beers. It's eight point two percent, so it's uh it's good. Yeah, that beer advocate link you sent me. Yeah. Is, uh is really interesting. Yeah, I, I oh, usually. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'd like to be able to find that somewhere. Yeah, I normally. Uh, yeah, whenever I get a beer that I've never had before, I Google it, and that's always the first site that pops up. And I don't really read the the reviews because that's all sort of you get these people who are like really fucking into beer, and they got to pour it into a certain kind of glass and all this shit. So, but I like to look at uh, you know where it's brewed, uh, the sh the alcohol content of it, how bitter it is, the IBU. So this is actually not very bitter. I mean, it's a lot less bitter than, say, like an IPA or something like that. But it does have some of, like, a floral tone to it that I don't love. But it's definitely drinkable. And then I also – I have um, a Jim, uh, Jim Beam Honey on the rocks with a little bit of water. I got one of those too. So I'm double fisting. Oh, are you, are you alternating or are you saving? 
No, I'm all. I'm all. Is one coming after the other? Well, I'll probably finish the beer first and then hit the. You know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be a little uh, a little less manly and I'll let the ice sort of uh, melt a little bit. Although it's not going to melt here because it's like 30 degrees outside, but. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking, and uh, I like it. The like I said, this is the, only the second, or the no, well, now this is the third of these um, doppel shots that I've had, and I enjoy it. And I'll probably go back and pick up another four pack uh, before the weekend. Ah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, I guess today we we're going to talk about uh, kind of um, projects that we you know, dream projects or the kind of comics we want to draw or the kind of comics I think maybe we thought we would want to draw when we first got into the business when we or when we were kids. These are the kind of comics I want to draw. So, um, oh, I, I approached it a little differently. I, I really had never given it a lot of thought until you suggested the idea this afternoon. So this is, I pick stuff that appeals to me right now. Okay, well, I guess to me it's this, maybe it's it's the uh, maybe it's the kid in me, but kind of the stuff that I wanted to draw as a kid is still the stuff I want to draw. Um, maybe just with a more mature, or, uh, yeah. you know, a, a, I don't know, a different, oh, that's interesting. a different take on it. You know, I've always been a superhero guy, so I still want to draw superhero comics, but I also want to have a lot of mood and atmosphere and you know i want an excuse to really throw a lot of black ink on the page so right on how many did you come up with uh i really only came up with like three all right so why don't you why don't you tell me what kind of comics you want to draw and then i'll tell you what i think you should draw and then you could okay, t- you could yeah. tell you could tell me what you wrote down okay all, all right. right yeah so we're gonna play a little sort of uh uh, guessing game, I guess. There, there, there's probably some game show that does this sort of thing. Sure. I can't think of it because I'm not that cool. All right. All right. So, things I look for in a book or a character, things I want to draw as an artist. Um, do I go for genre? Do I want to do science fiction? Do I want to do horror, superhero, adventure, romance? Uh, I probably lean more towards science fiction. Okay. Um, maybe a little bit of horror in there, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'm a sci-fi guy. All right. Um, and then I guess setting's not such a big deal. I mean, I I don't think I would want to do... Any sort of, uh, like, period books, I don't know that I would want to draw Jonah Hex or, right. you know, um, I can't think of something else, like uh, like original Captain America Adventure, some, something like that. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I think character design is a big deal. That, that might be the biggest deal uh, beyond genre and and setting um if it's certainly if you're doing like a solo book right you're not doing a team book so you're just working on the one character you want them to be fun to draw you don't want to get bored so i think character design plays into it a lot right um do you do you want me to give you some more hints no i mean let's let's, let's just go let's kind of go off of this okay. uh, do you have any questions i mean no, I mean I, I think yes or no questions are kind of fair. Are you are you going for something? Uh, would you prefer to do like would you want to do like a six issue or twelve issue stretch on something, or would you like to do a one and done sort of trade, like a, a story and get it done, or do you want to world build for years, or do you want to go into an established I, property? Like, would do you want to go in and already have well, a base? All, yeah, all, all of I picked five titles. Uh-huh. Um, I'll I'll give you my top three when we're ready. Um, but they're all established right. books, right. And properties. Yeah, and I think that's kind of so. What... I I yeah, I can see myself doing an arc or two at least. Okay, yeah, and on any of them. That was kind of my idea behind this. Like, this isn't about what we want to do as creators. It's kind of like what would f- scratch an itch that we have. 
So right. with yeah. with your sci-fi horror and uh, distinctive characters, from what I know about you, if I ran Dark Horse, I would hire you to do Aliens. Um, Ooh. Uh, but maybe like a post – like did you ever read Alien Salvation that Mignola drew? Yeah, with Kevin Nolan and Dave Gibbons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would hire you to do something post-Aliens um, where you could, yeah, do, you could yeah, do whatever I, you want. I wouldn't mind playing in sort of like a an anthology sort of Aliens title. That would be fun. Right. But no, that's not one of my three. All right. And then um, just sticking sort of with sci-fi, I could see you doing like an Adam Strange or, a, you know, I'm trying to think of other like cosmic solo titles. Um, you know, some, something like that where you get to play with aliens and different worlds and different ships and you don't have to draw cars or cities or anything like that. Um, that that's a, that's a good pick too. I mean, that's what I, I can see myself doing that. Right. So, I mean, what did you, okay. So what, so what did you put down if, if I'm kind of off, off your map there? Okay. Um, I'll start at the bottom. So my, no, at number three, uh, I've got Hellboy. Right. And I think that might be on a lot of people's lists. Uh-huh. He's so much fun to draw. I don't think I – and this is all based on just what I I want to draw as an artist. I don't think I would write any of these titles that I'm naming here. Right. Um, especially Hellboy. I don't think story-wise that's probably in my wheelhouse – but um, yeah. So, Hellboy number three, draw demons, and Hellboy is an awesome character design. Yeah, lots of blacks, fantastic. Sure, I'm gonna go there. Um, number two would be any Star Wars title. Oh, really? Yeah, sure. I never would have guessed uh, that. Yeah. Um. Maybe a, a, a Boba Fett solo book or uh, uh, a Chewie and Han buddy adventure thing. Yeah. Be great. I could see uh, that. And number one, I've got uh, Fantastic Four. Now that I've never – I've heard – we've talked about Star Wars or I know that you like Star Wars. And uh, we've talked in the past a lot about Hellboy and I have a Hellboy pinup that you drew – and uh, that's the original art I collect. I get sketches of Hellboy, but I've never, other than draw, seeing you draw the thing, I've never ever heard you talk about the Fantastic Four at all. I have no interest in reading any Fantastic Four titles. I think the core concept of it is so dated and boring. But to be able to draw a superhero adventure book that deals with so much science fiction. You know, I can, I can draw, you know, an arc just about, you know, the mole man or monsters or robots, things from other dimensions. And yeah, sign me up. Oh, excellent. Someone should sign you up. I like the, I mean, out of the three you mentioned, um, I mean, Hellboy's on my list. Well, we'll get to that, but, um, you know, Hellboy is such a. Everybody wants to work on Hellboy, and it's such a. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's it's so carefully controlled, and for good reason that almost no one's ever going to get to work on Hellboy. Um, I think in twenty something years, there's been like, other than short, you know, short stories, there's only been two artists on Hellboy. Um. Yeah. But uh, I can. I li- yeah, but I like your uh, I like your Star Wars thing. I mean, especially. I mean, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Now that Marvel has the Star Wars franchise, they probably paid some dude to do a SketchUp model of the Millennium Falcon, so you're never going to have to draw that shit. That's always going to be oh, there yeah, for you. Oh, yeah, it's out there. Yeah. So I and, didn't... and that's actually why I put it at number two, <laughs> yeah. because all, all, all of that stuff is 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 so set in stone. Right. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no wiggle room design-wise on a lot of that stuff. Right. But I, I think on Fantastic Four, you could, you there's a little more room to play. Right. I like the idea of the Fantastic Four as as like an anthology title where every new creative team should just be able to tell, regardless of the history of the book, you should just be able to tell whatever story you want. Like every, you know, every year that book should reboot and not have really anything to do with the rest of the Marvel universe. 
Yeah, you could say that about every book. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess you could. But I mean, I mean, the way Marvel's kind of shelved the FF for the last couple of years. I mean, I I don't read the F, I don't read Fantastic Four, but I don't I don't see a ton of outrage. Of why isn't there a Fantastic Four title out there? I mean, for a book that has such a such a long past and you know great creators who've worked on it, doesn't seem to be they sort of like you know if you if DC canceled Batman for four years, you wouldn't hear the end of it. But uh, it's like crickets when it comes to why isn't there a Fantastic Four book? So uh, I think that's something that yeah, can I, easily slot into yeah, its own world. I think they're thought of as something from a different time, even though they're part of the proper Marvel universe. I, they're almost like uh, the Shadow or Doc Savage or right these things that uh. The idea or thinking about it might be fun, but then when you sit down and you read it, it's it's kind of a, a chore to get through. Right. All right. So Scott Godleski wants to draw a Fantastic Four book. There he goes. It's out there. All right, All Mr. Right. Ryan Cody. Yes. Why don't you? Uh, so what gets your motor going? Okay. So basically. I'm stuck kind of in the excitement of early 90s comics. I mean, there were a lot of bad comics that happened in the early 90s, but most of that was a reaction to some of the exciting stuff that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. So what I want to, I would like to work on something that's just balls to the wall, you know, action, just something, you know, very artist friendly, very uh, action oriented, very uh, super powered oriented, I guess, you know, like, Sure. You know, my, you know, I mean, I've always thought it would be fun. I used to think it'd be fun to do a Hulk book, but I only want to do a Hulk book because I just want to draw the fight scenes. I really don't have any interest in the mythology of the Hulk or anything like that. Okay. Um, so you want, uh, like, art and excitement first? Yeah, like big action. Story a- second? Yeah, yeah, big action. Okay. Um, I mean, I you, don't, you. you don't necessarily have to sacrifice the story, but I'm talking, I'm talking, take advantage of the, of the medium. There's no reason... There's no reason to have 15 pages of people talking when you can have uh, some guy punching another guy into a mountain. Um, so that – and then I like the idea of uh, sort of parallel universes and time travel to where you know, issue to issue or arc to arc, you're not stuck in the same limitations. You know, Characters that can go anywhere. Um, you know, Legacy characters. I love, I love the idea of the legacy characters. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I guess I guess I don't want to draw a bunch of cars and shit. So to throw another wrinkle into it, you know, some sort of sci-fi fantasy. You know, I don't want to draw animals. I don't want to draw cars. Uh, but I think every artist is like that. Nobody wants to draw cars or wants to draw horses. Okay. All right. So something with time travel. All right. Does that do those descriptions uh, cover your top three? Um, kind of, yeah. Okay. All right. Hmm. Well, again, uh... Although, let's be fair, though. Like you said. You, you kind of knew my top yeah. three before we started recording, so that's going to it's gonna make you a little biased. I, I have a bad memory. Okay, good. But I do... Well, knowing what I do know about you, uh, and that you are something of, uh, uh, and early 90s uh, life field file. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess Youngblood is one of yours. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the whole, actually, the whole sort of world of the his extreme studios. So not necessarily, okay. you know, pick and take some of those characters. I'd like to, I would like to pick and choose what characters I want to use and then, um, set him in a whole new story. I don't want to necessarily have to deal with any baggage that comes with that. You know, I don't want to, I don't ever want to fucking draw like bad rock. You know, that's not a character I have any interest in drawing, but you know, there are some extreme studios universe title. Yeah. Like, uh, like essentially like if I, if, if, if I was given free reign to do like a new frontier, I mean, no, you know, that's kind of bold to say and no disrespect to Darwin cook. 
But if I could do like a whole reboot and a new frontier style take with those characters, um, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know what? My bad memory is saying that you wanted to talk about cable. So I'm going to cheat and say cable is on your list. Cable is on my list and, um, he's number two on my list. And I'll jump ahead and say number one is Hellboy, but we've kind of already covered that. Okay. But I like Hellboy for the exact same reasons you like Hellboy. I don't ever want to write a Hellboy story because I don't think I could get into what makes Hellboy Hellboy. Um, But I sure as hell would love to draw a Hellboy story. Um, But yeah, Cable is a character when I talked about sort of like time travel, different parallel universes. Like that guy can jump around and, um, you know, you could do a story where he's – you know, with the X-Men when they're in their Australian outback. And then, you know, you could jump into the future and all sorts of great things with that guy and just all the gear and all the tech. I, I love that. I mean, people give Liefeld shit for all that shoulder pads and shit. I love it. I mean, I think it's great. It doesn't have to make sense. That's the best thing about comics. It doesn't, you know, who gives a shit if his shoulders are five heads wide instead of three heads wide, because it doesn't matter. It's not real life. Um, so that's why I love that stuff. And, you know, I never really bought any cable comics. I was a big New Mutants fan when he was introduced. And, um, but, uh, you know, there's a great uh, one or two issues. I'm not sure if it's two issues or just one of Marvel team up from a couple of years ago that Robert Kirkman did with Corey Walker. And it was Cable, Wolverine, and Jubilee back when Wolverine and Jubilee were kind of on their own before, you know, they got back with the main X Men team. And that's just great stuff. I mean, that's excellent. And then Mignola's issue of X-Force that he drew, like X-Force 8, I think, it's fantastic. So I got a lot of love for those characters, and, you know, I don't I don't feel bad about it or try to hide it. I think – I think what uh, – I think what – I don't think – I think what Liefeld and those guys did in the – in, you know, 89, 90, 91, 92 really reinvigorated – I mean, the comics boom in the 90s wouldn't have happened without those guys. There's a lot of fucking dudes who made a lot of fucking money because Rob Liefeld drew the way he did and brought excitement back into comics. That's true. It's so weird to think about Mignola drawing an issue of X-Force. It's a good issue. It's a, it's a, oh, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't do anything bad. No, but I mean, it's good overall. I don't remember who wrote it. might have been Fabian. I don't know. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I I can just imagine how miserable he was the whole time. Yeah, I think I've read, I've read an interview. He just talked about like that was one of the last things he did before creating Hellboy, and it was just you know it, he is under he was doing work for Marvel. It was paid work, but uh, it was great. It was the first time. I mean, people who want to knock Liefeld for the character of Cable, um, Mignola drew that character and he looked fucking awesome. So you know it's it's a good design. Um. So, I don't know. Those are my things. Like those, those would be fun comics to work on as far as licensed properties go. Um, I wonder. I'd like to get into this with, um, you know, if we ever have guests on here, maybe we could have a standing question. Do you want to work on Hellboy because the character is so great, or because your love of Mike Mignola is so great? And I think it might be equal. I think it might be fifty-fifty. I think. I mean, that's lightning in a bottle with that character. I think. Yeah, I, I think Mike's greatness might be a bit intimidating and almost a, a negative. Right, but I'm, what I'm saying is if Hellboy was created by, you know, any other creator, would he would we have as much affinity for that character? Oh, no. Right. Yeah, that'd be, fun. That'd be an interesting thing because everybody I know, I don't think I've ever met a professional artist who doesn't want to draw Hellboy. And I don't think there's another property out there that – can be said that can be said about that's true second might be batman something like that yeah uh, batman's one of those good characters too where you could just do elseworlds types stories with that guy you know like just whatever batman you want whatever design you want everyone you know no one wants to draw the costume the same way everyone wants to take on it it's sort of the sort of the same thing as Hellboy, except with Hellboy, no one dares draw it any differently than Mignola. No one's going to adjust that costume or or anything, whereas everyone has a great take on Batman. 
for the most part. Your Batman's great. I'd love to see you do a Batman book at some point. Oh, my Batman sucks. Shit. Your Batman's good. Eh. It'd be worth it just for the royalties so you could, you know, put your kid, one of your kids through college at least. <laughs> They're all on their own. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. I'm so, buying a new car. You are buying a new car? Oh, with your royalties. With that money? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like... Um, um, you know, there's actors who are in big movies and then they do these little small movies that you never even hear of. And it's that sort of, uh, way of working where they take the paycheck from the big one and do the little one. And yeah, well, cool. That was, uh, our top three or yeah, we did three, our top three books that we would like to do. Right. Just for shits and giggles, just for shits and giggles. Who were your other two? Cause your top three surprised uh, the shit out of me. So. Four, I had Exo Man of War. <laughs> okay. I always thought the idea was really cool. This barbarian trapped in this future alien suit. Right. Fights spider aliens and stuff in outer space. Yeah. It's like uh, Conan in an Iron Man suit. Just That's so much fun. Right. And uh, five was uh, Hellblazer. Okay. Um, is that... Does that, does that come from you you liking Sean's earlier stuff, or does that did you like the character before that? No, that that was the first. I think that was the first book I really really fell in love with. Yeah. Um, you, you read books for a long time, and you, like any kid, you pick up X Men and uh, you know, whatever, and Wolverine's cool, and you know Cable's cool, and Colossus is cool, but. I think uh, John Constantine was the first character that I, I really felt was a person, and so yeah, that uh, that book had a huge effect on me. I think I started reading it at the beginning, maybe not at the beginning, but during Warren Ellis's run on it, which is just just magical stuff. Just who was the awful. Art, who was the artist then? Uh, he had well. The first one I remember picking up was fully illustrated by Tim Bradstreet. Right. So, you, so, the, um, so Constantine looked exactly like Sting then. Yeah, yeah. That that was the book. That that was the issue that got me hooked. Yeah. And then, um, there was uh, I I hope I'm getting the name right. Um, Towards, I think it was towards the end of the, his run. Maybe he only did one story on it. Uh, Marcelo Fusen. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've read that. Uh, I've read those issues. Yeah, he's got a uh, uh, an Eduardo Rizzo yep. sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, kind of like a flat uh, flat line style that's really open to heavy blacks and good yeah. colors. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I can't name any other artists. I, I didn't care. That was the first book where I didn't care who was drawing it. Right. I, I was I was signing up for John and I was signing up for Warren. I could see that. Um, yeah. Now that I mean, I put some thought. You know, talking about the top five. Well, let, hang on. Let's go back to Exo Manowar. So when I was <laughs> right. when I during you know coming off the image boom, I was an artist guy, but I was surprised at how much I dug. The Valiant stuff, even though those artists weren't really flashy, um, but I really dug the, the characters and uh, the first uh, the first trades worth of issues of uh, Harbinger. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, to, to this day, that might be my favorite arc of, in comics, or at least one of my top three favorite arc of in comics. And it's kind of I like the idea because it's like, oh, these these people have powers, but they don't necessarily have code names. They don't necessarily have costumes. You know, it could be um, it's very kind of grounded in a real world setting, but you still have like the yeah. most po- most powerful dude on the planet isn't really that nice of a guy. You know, he's coercing his girl. Did you ever read this before? I keep talking about no, it. No, I had never read it, but you used to talk about it so much. Okay, so that so I the, feel the, like I, oh, the main character is a telepath and a telekinetic, and and uh, he has the hots for this chick, and uh, he basically convinces her or makes her fall in love with him so he's kind of like a rapist slash i mean he's like a rapist pretty much you know so he's, he's not really that great of a guy although he has good intentions 
And I remember reading those and just thinking, like, this is so... This, to me, is what a realistic comic could be as far as, You're, you know, how... That sounds one. Yeah, it was, it's great. I mean, I have the trade upstairs. I read it every couple of years. Um, that and then, the you know, um, my favorite comic of all time is the first uh, 12 issues of The Authority. And that's kind of another, you know, another span. Uh, yeah. You know, another yeah. another take on the... What if people really had characters or what, if, what, sorry, what if humans or what if real world situation people had powers and you have some that would just sort of, they wouldn't dress up and they would do, they would just do whatever. And then you have this opposite spectrum where, you know, these people just sort of rule the world, you know, basically because they're so powerful. And even if they're trying to do the right thing, they're going to do the, what they think is the right thing. You know, it doesn't matter what other people think they're going to do what they want to do. And those first 12 issues are amazing. You know, the next 12 are great, too. Um, I I agree. Yeah, Warren Ellis' run on The Authority is one of my favorites. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, those those four creators, Hitch, Ellis, uh, Quietly, and uh, Millar, those first, like, 20 issues or so are just magic. Um, Yeah. Art uh, Adams did a couple issues at the end there, too. Yeah, at the end there. um, Yeah, they kind of – you know, they kind of started like having fill-in guys, and it was kind of getting a little off track there towards the end. You know, the end of the yeah, original. Fuck, yeah. fill-in guy, Art <laughs> Adams is. Uh... Yeah. What about and and it, it's not just because of the the season that just aired, but uh, Daredevil and the Punisher would be two characters that'd be fun to draw. They're both gritty. You could throw a lot of you know black, a lot of mood. Um, yeah. And uh, growing up, I enjoyed reading reading those comics when they crossed over. Um, outside of like X Men, uh, you know, outside of like X Men, I might have more Punisher comics than anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've always liked those characters; they're fun to draw. Right on. All right, well, now we're done geeking them out about comics. Oh, there it is, our top fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe instead of uh, you know sending portfolios to publishers, I'll just send them this recording. Or you know, edit. You know, instead of sending a portfolio to an editor, I'll just send this recording and be like, "Here you go, man. This is what I want to do. Um, let's make that happen." That'll work. Yeah, but it's it's a funny topic. I mean, we'll have to do a topic once about comics, the type of comics we want to draw as far as our own stuff, because there's the, there is the backlash among creators if you you know a lot of creators look down you know they'll they'll get a little sort of like you know they'll give you a sideways glance if you say like oh i would love to do you know a six issue run on cable you know people be like oh you you know just create your own thing why do you want to work on these corporate comics but um to me it all goes back to you know things i loved as a kid it goes back to nostalgia and you know when i was a kid and i was reading these comics i never thought you know, I never thought that like uh, these guys should be working on their own books. Like, why the hell are they jumping from X Men to you know X Factor or whatever like that? That never even crossed my mind. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Whenever I hear people kind of give backlash, like just create your own thing, and you know, I, I see the I see the point to that, but I I also I don't see the I don't see the reason why people toss shade at guys who do want to work in the big two. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no harm, or, or you shouldn't feel guilty about scratching an itch, right? Especially if you're getting paid to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are some guys, you know, some guys who work consistently in the big two, who you know, if they did an image book, it would sell. You know, they would make more money doing an image book that sold one third the amount of what they're doing for Marvel. But there's something to be said about the fact that. You know, they like these characters. They like getting paid every two weeks. They, you know, they like uh, having a company pay their health insurance. You know, there's nothing wrong with that sort of job security and uh, devotion to uh, something you loved when you were younger that you can now take part in creating. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, not everybody's, you know, we can't all be Mike Mignola or, uh, no. Mike Allred or whatever. Right. You, know. you, you should never make anybody feel bad for earning a living. Okay, so getting back to our drinks for the night, 
Um, you had a cocktail that you went so far as to – I had a Tom Collins. Yeah, but you – yeah, well, that's what – you went so far as to muddle some fruit in your glass. It's uh, not a Cosmo or a six on the beach. Do you have a mortal and pestle or how did you muddle it? Did you use a spoon or did you use something wooden? What, no, what? I didn't use a spoon. I have a muddler. Oh, so you have, you have like a full setup at your house. Yeah. See, I don't have any sort of cocktail setup at my house. I don't even have mixers. You know, I have a couple types of alcohol that I keep in the freezer, and that's it. I have no mixers, no shakers. I went this morning and bought an actual specific highball glass just for this drink this evening. Really? Wow. That yeah. that must be where that vertigo money comes in. That's right. Oh, that's so good, that honey whiskey, though. I have a – you know, I, w- I would like to get to the point where I could just – you know, I watch in movies where people drink whiskey straight, n- no no, no water in it, no rocks in it, and they don't even wince. That's one thing. Like, watch – watch In the Dare- movies? Yeah, watch Daredevil. Either in season the movies of, where they're drinking apple juice? Right. Either season of Daredevil, Foggy Nelson just okay. opens a bottle of whiskey, takes a swig, and doesn't so much as squint – and nah. I, I've been around a lot of drinkers in my life. A lot of my best friends are heavy drinkers, and uh, I've never seen any of them just take a swig off something and not react to it at all. But that's my. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen. No, that's my goal in life, though. If I do nothing else in my lifetime, by the time I die, I would like to just drink whiskey nah. straight out of a bottle, room temperature whiskey straight out of a bottle. Without even flinching. Yeah. Because this this honey whiskey with ice in it and a splash of water, I can drink this without making a face. So it's just – I just got to level up, I think. But so – I I have – I have a fair amount of alcohol upstairs. Um, I don't drink a lot of it straight. Maybe five or ten percent of the time. And when you do, it's normally uh, bourbon. Yeah, bourbon. I, I've got some nice aged rum. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit of Irish whiskey, but it, it really, it's on the rare occasion that I drink anything neat. Have you uh, tried getting into any moonshine now that you're working on the dark and bloody? Uh, no, because I so I have been blessed with uh, pretty pretty good vision, and I'd like to keep it that way. Right. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not talking about like uh, backwoods Kentucky moonshine. I'm talking about over the counters, you know, stuff that you can buy now. They make some pretty good stuff. My yeah. brother, my brother drinks. Uh, I forget the brand, but he drinks a fair amount of moonshine, and it's pretty good. Yeah, I don't have any interest. Well, you should become a little more adventurous, Tom Collins. Yeah, I suppose so. And, uh, you know what? I actually, uh, I actually jotted down a little bit of Tom Collins history in case uh, any of our no listeners are interested. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to listen to this in a couple of years when we release this, you know, as a bootleg. Um, as a premium episode. Yeah, well, it'll be on a 7-inch vinyl, bootleg only, fan club, you know, fan club members only. Sure. Uh, all right, so what's what's your uh, Tom Collins? I assume, right, it's, I assume so, it's some Irish history thing. Uh, no, actually, well, it, okay. So the, the first mention of the drink it's actually related to a, a prank that um, scamps in New England used to play. Like in uh, the, so the first the first mention I can find of it is from 1874. So these uh, these uh, you know young New England punks would go around town and stop people and ask them. Uh, if they had heard what Tom Collins is saying, people would be like, I don't, I don't know any Tom Collins. And say, he's down at the bar saying horrible things about you. So they go down to the bar and, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's Bart Simpson calling Moe. Okay. 
And uh, so, you know, enough people come in. And this bartender by the name of Jerry Thomas decides, you know what? I'm just going to make a drink called Tom Collins. They'll come in looking for Tom Collins. I'll make him one. I'll get my what – did, what did they pay with? I don't, I'll get my five shekels or whatever. Sure. Wouldn't, wouldn't so, pay. Uh, yeah, this – this bartender's guide that Jerry Thomas put together in New England in 1876 is the first mention of the Tom Collins recipe. Might be the first. Uh, I mean, if the guy, it could have been some viral marketing. He could have, he could have paid these. Yeah, hooli- there you go. He could have paid these fucking hooligans go. to run around town, starting shit, and then there you go. Also, yeah, exactly. Also, the first example of viral marketing. So uh, to our recommendations, I do recommend the Jim Beam Honey. Um, I recommend all honey whiskeys. Um, I can't really tell the difference, um, but maybe it's because I just buy whatever's on sale, so I don't really put thought into which one I'm drinking. Yeah, but whatever you bought down in Tucson that you put in that flask that you gave to me, which I think was the Jack Daniels. That, that was tasty. I had bought something before that previously. Uh, it's called Irish Mist. It's a, it's a honey liqueur. Yeah. That's... That was that, – it was uh, It was like cough syrupy. It was yeah, not – sounds... it was okay with like five ice cubes. But... Yeah. It sounds like what you bought might have come in a plastic bottle, so let's avoid that. Yeah, it was uh, not good. Yeah. This is – this Jim Beam is good. The – um. I do know that the uh, what is it? The American honey. Uh, I'm not, uh, wild turkey. Yeah, the wild turkey American honey. It is a, that's a little sweeter. It's a little thicker and a little sweeter um, to the point where like I did some shots. We ordered some at a bar one night and I did some shots of it, and my hands were sticky as if I mean it's like real honey. It's thick, um, but that's good. Yeah, I I bought a 50 mil bottle of that and it was okay. Yeah, I mean they're all okay. You know, especially like I said, I, I water mine down a little bit, but then they go down uh, super smooth. Um, and I would recommend this. I would recommend this beer I'm drinking too. I would recommend. I mean, it's a limited release, so I don't really know if any more were brewed after last summer. So I don't know if I would recommend it unless you could get it uh, freshly canned. But uh, it's good, and I, I search out uh, beers that are eight percent and above. And uh, I welcome any suggestions. So that we'll have to have a – hopefully if we get some listeners, they can suggest drinks for us, and that will be a whole segment too. Um, right. So the Tom Collins, are you going to – with with your fixins, can you make other drinks, or are you stuck drinking Tom Collins till you're done with those fixins? No. I, I, I went out the other week, and I got uh, – I think I had four or five different cocktails on my list that I wanted to try, so I bought – Stuff to make all of them. Okay, so you got like bitter. You can make an old fashioned if you wanted. All right. Well, uh, other than uh, the dark and bloody, do you have any uh, upcoming projects or anything like that? Uh, nothing that's going to be out for anybody to see in a while. Yeah. Um, I intend to get back to Copperhead next week, but uh, we'll see when that comes back. All right. Uh, you. Um, just, uh, you know, the, the book I'm going to be doing or the, um, the short, uh, the short project I'm going to be doing in the next month, uh, that'll be online in June, but it's not something that's going to be necessarily published. Uh, might be on comiXology though. Uh, that's about it. I don't really know. Um, the freelance lifestyle, I don't really have anything past the beginning of May, um, which is both liberating and terrifying. Um, but, uh, as far as, um, you know, closing out here, you can, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Cody. Yeah. Where we can, yeah. Where can we find you, Ryan Cody? Yeah. Well, Twitter is Ryan Cody. It's pretty simple. Um, Facebook is super 75 comics, which I should probably just change that. But for now it's that. And then my website is super 75 studios. Um, but if you just Google, uh, Ryan Cody, uh, comic, artist it'll come up uh, everything will come up right there and what about you Sweet. mr mr uh scott oh uh scott godleski.com that's uh s-c-o-t-t-g-o-d-l-e-w-s-k-i uh dot c-o-m 
And uh, everywhere else, I am Scotty God. Uh, Twitter, uh, I think Tumblr, Instagram. And I update none of these things. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, but, you know, in a couple months, uh, someone will be able to buy – oh, I guess they won't be able to buy any pages from Dark and Bloody number four because you're, you're doing them in scraps. Uh, scraps. Yeah, I, I'm doing them in pieces, only two pages in pieces. Right. So you are free to buy those. All right. Well, um, let, let me ask yeah, you. So if you're interested in, in those two pages, contact me. All right, so let me ask you a question now that you're 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 fully on board uh, digitally, and this is something we'll explore in the future as I try to move my way digitally. Um, it, when you get back to doing, because right now Tyler Crook does the covers for Dark and Bloody. Um, when you get back to Copperhead, are you going to do your covers traditionally for the resale market, or are you going to stay digital? Someone asked me that, and I had not thought about it, but yeah. Um those are really the only big ticket items in my portfolio. So right. I will probably do those. Uh, I'm going to stop using that word traditional and yeah, I will probably do pen and ink uh, covers. Uh, I'll hate every second of it. Well, but, uh, not when you're, uh, not when you're buying, uh, not when you're restocking your bar on the profits of yeah, uh, when I covers. PayPal notification. Right. All right, well, good night, buddy, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Right on. Get some sleep. Yeah, all right.